welcome to the Yogi Fuel Podcast, the podcast that's all about up-leveling your health, your practice, and your consciousness. We'll be taking the ancient wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science, having conscious conversations with spiritual thought leaders and alternative health professionals, and sometimes just me sharing my own experiences and knowledge to support you on your spiritual journey. I'm your host, Melissa Singh, and this is the Yogi Fuel Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back. In this podcast, I wanted to talk about something that I actually got a lot of questions about when I reached out and asked people what they wanted to hear about, and that is how to begin a meditation practice. And I think this is a really interesting concept for yogis because, you know, even though we maybe have a daily asana practice, you know, maybe we show up each day on our yoga mat, um, a meditation practice might feel a little bit different. And I think that part of the reason for this is because um, we kind of like sensationalize meditation. Um, You know, if you follow meditation people on Instagram, it seems like maybe you need these like special crystals or you need this like really sacred altar or like you need, I don't know, like the perfect meditation space. And so in this episode, I just want to share with you really simply how you can actually start a meditation practice. I want to give you some simple tips. And then I want to talk about this idea of like why we meditate and the idea of like a formal versus informal mindfulness practice. So I'm just going to get right into it. And my biggest tip, people ask me all the time, how do I start a meditation practice? And the answer is really simply, you just start. (laughs) So you don't need to like wait for permission. You don't need to order that really fancy, you know, meditation cushion from Amazon or like any of half moon. I think I actually have a meditation cushion from half moon. It's really great, but I can tell you, I never meditate on that cushion. (laughs) I actually meditate beside my daughter every night in bed. Um, I don't use any fancy meditation cushion. I don't have a fancy altar. I don't use crystals. I just sit and I do it. So my very first tip is you just need to start. Um, And sort of in alignment with that is this idea of um, starting with consistency over quantity of time. This is something I hear all the time is people think that they need to have this like long drawn out meditation practice that takes them, you know, like... 30 minutes to reap the full benefits, you do not. When you're just starting out, you want to start out just like anything with that consistency over the sort of like quantity of time that you're going to be doing it. So I always tell people, if you follow me on social media, you definitely heard me talk about this. Start with five minutes, start with one minute. Don't give yourself this unrealistic expectation of meditating for like 20 to 30 minutes if that's not going to work for you. I can tell you right now, sometimes I do meditate for 20 minutes and sometimes I meditate for five. It really depends on the time that I have. You know, I'm a mom. Okay. (laughs) So depends on the time when Satya goes to sleep. If she's going to sleep, you know, like earlier, maybe I have a little bit more time that day, but maybe I have to get stuff done right? We live in this modern world. We are modern yogis and we're constantly dealing with like the demands that life has on us. And meditation shouldn't be this thing that's like, oh, okay, I have to do my 30 minutes now. No, no, no. It should be this like, it should be like a sacred time for you to calm down and to connect with your breath, with your body, you know, just get your mind in a more calm state. It shouldn't be this like thing that you have to do. So you don't want to approach meditation from this perspective of, oh, it's another thing, you know, I have to do in my daily to-do list. No, 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 this is your time. And that goes, by the way, for your asana practice, right? You want your meditation practice, your sadhana to be this beautiful time for you to 
calm the mind in the yoga sutras they say yoga chitta vritti nirodha yoga is the stilling of the mind and this is something i learned from my teacher was that if you don't have enough time to do your full practice right whether that's like a meditation practice or your asana practice it actually is like the antithesis of yoga to be all stressed out about it, right? You want to take the time that you do have and you want to make good use of it and you want to be working toward nirodaha, the stilling of those fluctuations of the mind. You don't want to be doing your practice, whether it's, again, meditation or your asana practice out of any sort of guilt or any sort of obligation. You really want to take that time for yourself to connect. And I found that just giving myself that um sort of accountability to just show up every day has been so, so beneficial. And again, I feel like I've said this before and I'm going to keep saying it again, but oftentimes just that accountability and saying, okay, I'll do five minutes. It turns into maybe 10 or 20 or a deeper sort of meditative practice. If I just say to myself, I'm going to show up. So consistency over quantity of time is super, super important. And if there's one thing I want you to take away from this, it's just that. So something you can do is say to yourself, for me as a mom, it works really well to do it in the evening because I know that my daughter's going to go to sleep and hopefully (laughs) she's going to stay asleep. And for me, it acts as that like day close. So it's just become a really simple part of my evening routine where, you know, I drink my tea, I read my book, and then I go into my bedroom and I say, okay, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to, you know, focus on my breath. I'm going to meditate just five minutes. Maybe it'll take a little bit longer, maybe not. But for me, it's just become this natural part of my evening routine. So see if you can make it as a part of your routine. Maybe it works for you in the morning. Maybe you like to wake up earlier before everyone else. I know that's what my husband does. He wakes up before the rest of us. He does his meditation practice and uh, that's been really, really helpful for him. So I guess that's sort of like a secondary piece of advice is kind of play around with it, right? You don't need to be so rigid. You don't need to say every single day, I'm going to meditate at night, five minutes, 100%. Sometimes I don't. (laughs) Sometimes I don't have time. Sometimes I'm kind of tired and I just want to go to sleep and that's totally cool. And sometimes, you know, I do it in the morning if that is what calls to me. So I would say to you, um, create some sort of structure around it, but don't be so like attached and like rigidly, you know, like needing to meet that structure every single day. Like I said, meditation is supposed to be a calming, supportive practice, not something that is like making your life way more stressful. So the next piece of advice that I have um, in terms of like the actual meditation itself, this is what people ask me all the time. They're like, is there a specific, you know, meditation like recording that you listen to or like, what do you do? Like, what do you focus on when you meditate? So for a beginner, I'll tell you in the beginning, I actually, this is a really funny story. Actually, when I first started meditating, um, it actually came after, um, in university, I had several concussions and it was really hard for me to focus. It was really hard for me to concentrate. I became really anxious and I knew I needed some sort of a practice. Like I knew, and I didn't, I didn't have the language for it around. Like at that time, I didn't have the language of like, I need a daily sadhana, but I knew I needed something to help calm my anxiety and the sort of like depression that had that had washed over me. And so this is pretty hilarious. But I went to um, the bookstore with my friends, Indigo, actually. And I was really drawn to the section on Buddhism. And I'd always been drawn to Buddhism. And so I walk over to the section on Buddhism. And if you've ever been to like the spirituality section, maybe you can feel me. But like there are so many books on Buddhism or yoga, spirituality. I had no idea what to pick. So I did what anyone would do. And I got The Complete Idiot's Guide to Buddhism. And I got to tell you, it's actually a really good book. It's actually really informative because it really breaks down all the aspects of Buddhism and 
um, I think, I don't know if I like open when I tell the story, like this was so many years ago, but I'm like, I flipped open to the page on meditation. I probably looked it up. Like I was keen and interested on learning how to meditate and I wanted to do it in like a sort of authentic way. So I thought Buddhism was like the way to go. So anyways, I started to meditate through this book and what they said to do was they were like, okay, just, you know, focus on your breath and count, count each breath. And you want to count to 10. And when you get distracted, um, then you go back to one. And I think I was focusing on one for like days. I could not get past one without my mind wandering. So my meditation journey started with just focusing on my breath and counting and trying to stay really concentrated on numbers. Uh, but as it evolved, I actually kind of started, I really liked listening to guided meditations. For me, when I first started, my mind uh, wandered a lot. And we're going to get into that a little bit. But I found it really helpful in the beginning to listen to guided meditations. And I know there's tons out there. And so when you're first starting out, my advice is, you know, you can totally, you can Google it, you can YouTube it and find uh, maybe a guided meditation that works for you. I'm going to post a link in the show notes too. I've got a couple of guided meditations on my website that you are more than welcome to listen to. Um, some of them are a little bit shorter. Some of them are a little bit longer. Um, and I found it really helpful to kind of have um, a few different ones, right? So I would have ones that were, you know, five to 10 minutes, a little bit shorter if I was like intimidated by the longer ones. And then there were longer ones that I liked and enjoyed listening to. And so it sort of helped me on my journey navigate between, okay, um, you know, like having a bit of a shorter time to practice and then having like a longer meditation that would help me go like, I guess, deeper. But then as my practice kind of deepened and as I became more comfortable with meditation, now I hate listening to a guided meditation. It actually bothers me. It really throws me off. And it's sort of interesting because it's paralleled my asana practice, right? I used to practice, um, moksha yoga and other like lead classes. But now I practice Ashtanga yoga, Mysore style Ashtanga yoga, which is a self-practice. And so there's no teacher who's, you know, guiding you through anything. You're doing it on your own and you're with your own breath and you're with, you know, your thoughts. And for me, that's really therapeutic and it's really deepened my spiritual practice. And so I've noticed that now when I do my meditation practice, I don't want a distraction. Like I don't want words. I don't want sounds. I just want to be with myself and my breath. And so one of the things I focus on now is my breath. And it's super interesting, right? Because breath is, you know, you hear it, it sounds so cliche. Oh, the breath is always with you, but it is. And we'll talk a little bit later about this idea of formal versus informal practice, but the breath is this, this thing that is always there for you. You can always tune into it. So whether I'm, you know, meditating in a very sort of like formal, I say formal, it's not like I'm wearing a tuxedo meditating. <laughs> I guess I wouldn't wear a tuxedo. Maybe I'd be wearing like a ballroom gown, but anyways, it's not like, you know, you know what I mean when I say formal, like a seated practice where I'm like very intentionally, like I'm going to meditate. Um, I love to focus on my breath and it's, again, it's this very tangible thing that's always there. I don't need to like turn on my iPhone and like download the breath app. Like it's always there, right? I can focus on it at any point. Um, but it's also there for me outside of the meditation space in this more like informal, like life situations where I might feel stress. I might feel anxiety. I might, you know, whatever I, it's there for me to rely on. It's there for me to tap into. And I notice myself, you know, if I'm ever out and I'm feeling anxious or I'm out and I'm feeling upset or angry, I slowly and intentionally focus on my breath. And it's like this anchor and, you know, you hear yoga teachers say it all the time, like, mm, use your breath as an anchor. And it's true. You should, you should use your breath as an anchor in your meditation practice, but also off, 
off the cushion, so to speak, off the outside of the practice in this informal space to really help to ground you no matter what it is that you're feeling. Your breath is literally always there. So that for me is now how I do my meditation practice um, is I pick something and I focus on that. And so like I said, it could be your breath and that's what's really resonated for me. But another thing that a lot of people do, and again, I've got um, a recording of this on my website that I will link to in the show notes. One of the big things that we do in the mind, so I'm actually trained in mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is like from uh, John Kabat-Zinn. If you've ever heard of him, he wrote uh, Full Catastrophe Living. He's sort of like the Western father of this like clinical mindfulness. And so I've done his trainings. And one of the big things that we do is the body scan. And so that's where you basically focus on all of the parts of the body. You start at the toes and you slowly work your way up to the you know, like upper extremities and you're just paying attention to your physical body. And so that's something you could focus on. So really you can pick anything. You can pick your breath. You can pick your physical body. You can pick physical sensation. You could use a mantra. You could use, and it doesn't have to be like an ancient Indian mantra. It can be like just your own sort of affirmation, whatever works for you. Whatever you feel drawn to, um, you know, focusing on or paying attention to, um, you should do that. And just as like a side note, also talking about this idea of listening to meditation recordings, I just thought of this. My friend was telling me how she had listened to this meditation recording and she was really, really liking it. But over time, she kind of felt that that person was like annoying and then, you know, she wanted to find another, you know, great meditation recording. And so, What's really interesting about practice, right, Um, whether it's, again, asana or meditation, is when you do the same thing over and over and over again, you're going to get annoyed. You're going to come up against these really normal, natural feelings like um, frustration, irritation. Uh, Maybe you'll experience sadness. Maybe your mind's going to wander a lot, and we'll talk about that really soon. So you have two options, right? So my friend in that case has the option to continue to listen to that annoying recording and sit with how annoyed she feels, right? That is a totally valid option. You can actually choose to like sit with a discomforting, like an uncomfortable um, sensation or, you know, annoying, in this case, annoying recording and notice those feelings as they come up and be curious about them and get in the inquiry of, hmm, where do I feel this like frustration show up in my body? Like, and just practicing learning how to sit with that discomfort and that irritation, because here's the thing, peeps. Um, life is uncomfortable and annoying (laughs) and people are going to be uncomfortable and annoying outside of your meditation. And so we can actually use the practice and we can use all of those things that come up in the practice as a way to sort of practice, um, being calm and maintaining equanimity in the rest of our lives when those things come up. Or you can totally be like, you know what, this girl's voice is really irritating and it's totes throwing me. And you can just pick a new meditation recording and there's nothing wrong with either, right? It's not bad or wrong. If you're like, okay, actually, yeah, I want to (laughs) change. I want to change over to a different meditation recording. Totally cool. But I'm just saying that what's super interesting, what I love about this practice, like whether it's again, asana, like I do ashtanga or any other type of yoga or um, mindfulness meditation is that like everything is an opportunity to notice, right? Every part of our lives, every part of our meditation is a practice or can be a practice in just noticing, just observing like what comes up for me when, you know, I feel irritated at somebody, whatever, you know, every part of our lives is an opportunity to practice that equanimity. And that's really why we practice, right? Like we don't practice so that we can be better at like sitting on a cushion being 
calm, <laughs> right? Like there's no value in that really. I mean, there is a value, but you know what I mean? We practice on, you know, say our mat or on our cushion so that we can take that equanimity, we can take that patience and we can bring it out into the world where we can actually live our yoga. And that's where, um, where this practice is so valuable. And so the next thing I want to talk about is this idea of, um, the wandering mind. And I hear this all the time. People are like, Ugh, I suck at meditation. And I'm here to tell you that you do not suck at meditation. If your mind wanders during your practice, whether again, that's like an asana practice or a seated meditation practice, congratulations, you are a human being. Your mind is going to wander like hundred percent of the time, not hundred percent of the time, but every time you sit down and you do a meditation or you do an asana practice, your mind's going to wander because that's what the mind does. Practice isn't in, you know, being this perfect yogi or meditator whose mind never wanders. No, no, no. The practice is in noticing that wander, that wandering, the wandering mind and bringing it back to whatever it is that you're focusing on, your breath, your asana, your drishti, your mantra, whatever it is, right? That's the practice. So if you are just beginning and your mind feels like it's constantly wandering, that's okay. In the beginning, your mind is going to wander a lot more than someone who's been meditating for two years or three years. Of course it is. You haven't practiced. You haven't practiced enough that you, you know, can keep that mind calm for a longer period of time. And as you continue practicing, this is why it's so key. This is why like the number one thing I said was consistency. The more you practice every single day, the more quickly you're going to be able to catch the wandering mind. Um, every time I say wandering mind, I think of my husband because his Instagram handle is at wandering Matt and it kind of throws me a little, I'll be honest. <laughs> so my advice to you in the beginning is don't worry so much about your mind wandering. Let it wander. Acknowledge that this is totally normal. Don't judge yourself either. This is the other thing about mindfulness and meditation is we're trying to create, according to John Kabat-Zinn, mindfulness is the non-judgmental awareness of the present moment. And so we want to start to cultivate that awareness of the present moment exactly as it is without judging ourselves. So when your mind wanders, because it's going to, you don't judge yourself. Or if you judge yourself, you don't judge that you're judging yourself. Cause I can see that maybe some of you will be like, Oh my God, I judged myself. I suck. <laughs> um, so we're not going to judge ourselves. We're just going to notice hmm, the mind wandered and gently redirect it back to whatever it is. Like I said, that we're focusing on with the acknowledgement that over time we are going to get better. We're going to be able to calm and still our mind a little bit, um, a little bit more easily. And so I just wanted to sort of culminate this by talking a little bit about this idea of formal practice versus informal practice. And um, the Buddhists actually talk about, they talk about life as having two, um, two distinct periods, the time in the meditation space and the time outside of the meditation space. And that to me sort of parallels this idea of formal practice, which is like our seated meditation practice, like our sadhana, right? Our seated meditation practice, our, you know, on the mat yoga practice. And then there's the time that we're not doing those things. The time when we're at work, we're in our car, we're with our family, you know, we're doing like the regular people things because we're guys, I say this all the time. We're modern yogis. Okay. We do our practice. We do our sadhana. And then we go out into the world and we like live our life and we have families and we do things. And we're not like living in the Himalayas, sweeping, you know, a temple floor, doing this like devotional work. We have to, you know, make money for a living and raise our children and go to school and go to work and do all of these things. And so I really see the point and the intention of these sadhanas, these daily spiritual practices, whether again, it's a meditation practice or an asana practice as um, something that we use to support us, right? So like these formal practices are what we use to support us in our informal practices where we're out in the world and we come across these people who like 
frustrate us or hurt us or make us feel upset, we use all of the skills and the patience and equanimity and the redirection of focus that we you know, learned in our formal practice to help us and support us off the mat and in the world, because that's where our practice really matters, right? I heard this really amazing, um, I say I heard, I actually read this really amazing quote by David Swenson, who's one of like the, uh, the OGs of Ashtanga Yoga. He practiced with uh, Guruji way back in the day. And um, in one interview, uh, he was asked, like, what's the point of this asana practice? Like, why do, we, why do we do this sadhana? And he said that the sadhana, it, it essentially, it's like, it's like soil. He said, it sort of like makes our soil really fertile, <laughs> right? And that whatever we do outside of the, the practice space, how we show up in the world in that space that is going to grow really, really quickly because we've created this really fertile soil. And so, yeah, like I love that analogy where it's like our practice really lays this solid fertile foundation upon which everything we do outside of the room is going to grow like tenfold. And my teacher, David Robson, different David, he says that we practice asana, and I think we could also sort of relate this to meditation. We we use asanas as screens to reveal the impermanent nature of our thoughts and feelings. And that, you know, we show up in this practice and, you know, in asana, we do the same thing every day. And in a meditation practice, if you show up and you kind of do the same thing every day, you're going to begin to notice trends. You're going to begin to notice aversions to certain things. You're going to begin to notice, you know, fluctuations of the mind that come up when you do a certain posture or when you, you know, meditate for long enough. And and what I've noticed in my personal practice is that so much of what shows up for me on the mat, so much of my, you know, limitations, my mental fluctuations, the things that, you know, stories I tell myself on the mat, the things that hold me back there are the things that hold me back um, in life. And so if we can use this practice, you know, I, th- I feel like I've kind of gone off on a bit of a tangent here, but if we can use this practice, if we can just cultivate like a daily practice and we can have like the audacity to show up and see ourselves and to go to those places every single day it doesn't have to be like i said for a long time but if we can do that every day and we can see those parts of ourselves those those limiting beliefs those limiting stories um, that show up on our mat if we can get that those actually show up on our lives um, outside of the yoga mat think about the profound effect that it's going to have in every other area of your life and so going back again to something david swenson said is uh, he was also asked in that same interview how, how do you define a yogi? And he said, a yogi is someone who leaves the world a better place than when they came in. And I think that when we use our asana practice, our you know um, meditation practice, when we use um, them as tools to see ourselves, right, and to connect to who we really are, which isn't you know our physical body or any of our mental fluctuations and stuff, when we can really connect to that, and we can start living um, like a more purposeful life as a natural consequence, we're going to leave this world uh, a much better place than when we came. So I feel like I really went on a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> but to recap, recap the, the basics of starting a meditation practice, the first thing that you want to do is think consistency. Consistency over quantity. Just start. Just start showing up every day for five minutes, for 10 minutes, for however long that you have, you are just going to show up daily. That's your first goal. And when you show up, what are you going to do? You are going to pick something and focus on it. And that can be your breath. That can be a mantra. That can be a guided meditation, but you're just going to pick something and don't get caught up by the way in like, I do this all the time. Ooh, I have to find the best guided meditation. No, no, no. You just need to pick some, any guided meditation 
any, you know, breath, body scan, whatever, you're going to pick something and you're going to focus on it and you're going to do it for however long you have. And then you are going to be cool with the fact that your mind is going to wander and that's okay. And you're not going to judge it. You're going to notice it and you're going to use the practice as a practice to notice the wandering mind, hashtag wandering mat, (laughs) and bring it back to your point of focus, which is whatever your breath, your guided meditation, or your physical sensations. So that's that. That is my beginner's guide to meditation with like a big sort of um, tangent on the benefits of having and cultivating a daily sadhana. I hope that you found this really helpful, really interesting. Um, and if you want to connect with me, you can absolutely connect with me over on Instagram for some daily inspiration and knowledge. And that's at Melissa Singh Yogi Fuel. Um, you can check out some pretty delicious recipes on my blog at uh, www.melissasing.com. And again, if you have any suggestions or questions or things that you want me to podcast about, please send me a note. You can DM me on Instagram. You can send a email to hello at melissasing.com, uh, or you can reply. I don't know if there's like comments here, <laughs> but you could totally just like leave a comment wherever you're listening to this. And yeah, I'm super excited for the next episode and I will see you next week. Bye.